You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. Those balls have gotten you into trouble, though. Oh, you? Yeah. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. 24-7. <laughs> My life has changed so much that it's almost like a completely different life. From the latest news on The Real Housewives. I'm so happy to be here and engage with you. Deep dives into celebrity legal scandals and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Welcome on in, guys. Welcome on in. Welcome on in. Welcome on in. It is good to be back officially. The podcast is officially back up and running after my week in Mexico. And I missed you. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful to all the love and support that you've shown me and my family this week. It's been um, it's been a, an interesting week, but nonetheless, we still had an incredible trip in Mexico. I think I'm going to do a very fun and unfiltered um, bonus episode for members on the YouTube, where I get into all the crazy wild shenanigans because there were plenty that went that went down in Mexico. So stay tuned for that. There is also a new Real Housewives of Miami recap now up on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. So you can go and check that out and get our unfiltered thoughts on Nicole's disinvite, Nicole's crazy crazy dad at her engagement party, all the good stuff that came on Real Housewives of Miami last week. The recap is up now, so you can head over to the Ringer Reality TV podcast podcast and you can listen to that all right now with me and miss chelsea stark jones chelsea chelsea bang bang okay we have a lot to break down i hope you have your notebooks ready i hope you have your tea ready i hope you have a little wine ready maybe some vodka whatever your vibe whatever vibe you're feeling i hope you got it and i hope you're ready for it because we got to dive in we have some jen shaw stuff we have some chrisley stuff we have some really juicy erica jane stuff um and then we also have some spicy potomac stuff that's gonna be needing to be breaking down in a minute because there's a new affair that has been exposed. There's a new, a new, um, hidden lover that is no longer, well, still hidden, but now ready to mention it all. So let's dive in, shall we? Let's start with Jen Shaw. Let's just kind of recap some of the bits that we missed from last week since there were, there wasn't a new episode of the podcast that was like tea, uh, focused. So Jen Shaw, tell all, indefinitely scrapped. Jen Shaw announced last week that she will not be sitting down with Andy Cohen for their one-on-one for the reunion special, her tell-all interview. It is Dunzo's. It is not happening. She claims that they would not allow her to have creative control over the broadcast and that she doesn't trust them to tell her story. But I'm just like, what story? Like, there's this was literally your chance to take some accountability I think she just wanted more money, and as the judge told her, she's not allowed to profit off of her crimes. Therefore, Bravo probably turned her down. So Bravo also probably saw all of the social media reaction, and they just saw that people weren't interested, you know, and even watching to a sit-down. So they're just like, listen, we're not even agreeing to a sit-down with Jen. Um, PR-wise, like, it just doesn't make sense for us. So good for Bravo. I think absolutely, like a... Something in my nose. Um, but good for Bravo. I'm glad that they stuck to their guns and decided not to give her a paycheck and not to give her creative control because they don't give anybody creative control. This is what you do when you sign up for a reality TV show. If you want your filtered truth to come out, go do a YouTube live stream. 
The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion begins airing tonight, sans Jen Shaw. It was originally set to be three parts, but I'm like, why are we still keeping it at three parts? Like at this point, I think it might be better to just cut it down to two parts since now we don't have the Jen interview. I don't know if there's enough content to break down without the Jen Shaw legal stuff. Obviously, we'll get the women reacting to it, but it's like, do we really want to watch and relive Heather's Black Eye and Lisa versus... um, Lisa versus Meredith and there wasn't a whole lot that we really got to see with Dana or Angie or either of the two Angies I mean obviously Angie's beef with Jen but other than that I don't think there's enough content for a three-part reunion so I'm actually kind of cool if we cut it off at two parts and and just kind of leave it there but I don't know if there's like some sort of like advertisement commitment that they have so they have to go with all three parts and they would rather just take the low ratings rather than breach any agreement that they have. I don't know. That's my own speculation. Um, but I would totally be cool with a two-part reunion. Okay, Bravo. So let's stick to it. Now let's move on to Todd and Julie, who are now in the slammer. So last Tuesday, Todd Chrisley and his wife, Julie Chrisley, they had to turn themselves in to prison, federal prison. Remember, they had their, what was it, $36 million scheme, fraud scheme. So, or bankruptcy, fraud, tax evasion, all that stuff. It was, they were defrauding banks and lying to them about the money that they were making so that they can take out these really big loans. And then they ended up trying to file for bankruptcy. And then they dug into everything and realized, oh, they were forging some bank documents to try and take out some big loans. So anyway, Todd is serving 12 years at the Federal Corrections Institute, Pensacola in Florida. It's a minimum security prison, and according to Forbes, it's the second cushiest prison in America, which is very appropriate for Todd and Julie, even though Julie is not there. So apparently a number of like high-profile people have stayed there. I guess they're not that high-profile because I had never heard of any of them. There's like um, an NFL referee, and I'm like, who the fuck knows an F- NFL referee? Like, who cares about an NFL ref- referee? Unless he's banging Todd Chrisley in, you know, the bathrooms, in the showers, then, you know, I don't care. Tell me he dropped the soap, and I'll be interested in an NFL referee. Apparently, you know, this is a very cushy, cushy, uh, posh prison because they're allowed to have like weekend visits outdoors in a special park with their families and they have special jobs and recreation programs that seem to be better as well. So Todd looks like he's going to be living it up, which is fine because he's going to be there for at least 12 years. So he's like, listen, if I have to, if I have to say locked up, they won't let me out, at least make it a nice lockup, you know, give me some gardens that I can go and visit my family in. Julie was originally set to serve seven years in the Mariana, Florida prison, which was only two hours away from Todd. But she ended up turning herself into the federal. Um, she ended up turning herself into the Federal Medical Center, Lexington, which is in Lexington, Kentucky. And this specific facility is designated for people with medical and mental health needs. Unclear what those special needs may be for Julie, but. You know, especially since Todd isn't joining her. I'm like, what was it that was special that got her into the Kentucky facility versus Mariana? Obviously, we knew Mariana was a medium security prison, 
I'm assuming there's got to be some better perks. Or possibly, as we chatted about with Justin Paperni, we didn't talk about the Chris Lee specifically, but we talked about Jen Shaw with Justin Paperni. And he said that there are certain like rehabilitation programs, certain mental health programs that can be utilized that can help you possibly get a reduced sentence. Um, I believe he said like the substance abuse program, if completed, can take like a year off of your sentence. I do know, based off of, I haven't looked into it much recently. Like I said, sorry guys, I was on vacation. But I did gloss over one of the documents referencing Jen Shaw's sentencing. And I do believe, if memory serves me correctly, there was something about alcohol abuse that was referenced in the court document in, in her sentencing. So it looks like she might be utilizing that program to try and get a year knocked off her sentence. And on top of that, there was a report that came out about her having to receive like, um, what was it? Uh, Mental health services and take, you know, or pursue psychiatric care upon release. I believe that that may also be part of, you know, her attempt to get out earlier as well. Because from my understanding is it was she was agreeing to take meds and to be you know part of psychiatric care upon release and it would only make sense to me that she would agree to that you know and and agree to abide by that if it benefited her in some way and i don't think her mental health is you know her priority i think serving less prison time so she can get back out and start partying it up again is her main priority um, but Julie, the facility that she's staying at does allow for both male and female inmates, but I'm assuming Todd's Pensacola prison is probably a lot nicer and a lot fancier and they've got more, they've got better amenities. So he's going to be like, all right, girl, you go to Kentucky. I'm going to stay in, I'm going to stay in Pensacola. But like I said, he's not, he hasn't doing half bad. He's liking it. He's already gotten his first few visitors. His daughter, Lindsay and Nanny Faye have already gone to pay him a visit um, Lindsay said on her podcast, my family struggled through a lot with my parents this year. So many things that happened legally, though the outcome wasn't what we wanted. There is some sense of peace and closure. And now we have the opportunity to be able to just adjust. Yeah, I guess at this point, like they can't fight it. Unlike, I mean, I think it's unlikely that the appeal is going to go anywhere. So at this point, yeah, get comfortable, you know, put up your little slippers at the Pensacola prison and, you know, start to to reacclimate in this new surrounding, in this new environment that you have, because at this point, you ain't going anywhere for at least a good 10 years. He's there for 12 years, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be in there for at least like nine to 10. So good luck, Todd. Good luck, Julie. They did release a podcast episode right before having to turn themselves in. So you guys can check that out. Lindsay's podcast, I believe it's Southern Tea. Um, that's out and available now too. Nanny Faye and Lindsay look like they're going to be visiting Mr. Todd every weekend, especially with those nice accommodations. Okay, let's move over to some Netflix-ish news with Carol Baskin. Killed her, husband whacked him. Can convince me that it didn't happen. Carol Baskin. So did she really kill her husband and whack him and feed him to the tigers? Possibly. There was a report that came out last week that claimed that he had been found, that he was found alive in Costa Rica. I can tell you that as of right now, it looks like Carol Baskin's husband is still missing. And at this point, he is cat shit. 
<laughs> or was cat shit. Now he's like fertilizer and probably a tree. But anyway, last week it was reported that Don Lewis had been spotted, according to an old report by Homeland Security. Um, Carol said that the first time that she had heard about the news was when Netflix revealed it in season two of Tiger King. I remember watching season two of Tiger King and seeing this report and being like, wait, what? Does this mean that Don Lewis is still alive? And this is, huh? Wait, why are we not talking about this? And then I didn't finish watching Tiger King season two because I didn't give a fuck. And so we moved on, right? Well, however, according to local authorities, Aside from the single report of Don possibly being spotted in Costa Rica, there's been no follow-up and no new evidence that suggests that he's actually alive. So he was likely still fed as some big old catnip, some big catnip. What do you guys think? Do you think Don Lewis is secretly living in Costa Rica? Do you think Carol really did feed him to the tigers? Let me know what your theories are in the comments below. I love me some Carol Baskin. I love me some Tiger King. I'm always going to love me some Carol Baskin. Um, because it's just like such a wild, fascinating story. And even Joe Exotic, I think his rap came out and they're like, yeah, she definitely fed him to the Tigers. Watch out, Carol Baskin. Joe will be redeemed soon. Okay, this next bit of tea is actually pretty juicy. I find it kind of juicy. So Erica Jane has filed a new motion that actually helps the Girardi Keys victims from the Hulu documentary. Documentary. You'll remember Joe Rui Gomez, the Rui Gomez family. He's the the burn victim that we saw in the Hulu documentary, The Housewife and the Hustler. So, in a new filing from last week, Evan C. Borges, Erica Jane's or Erica Girardi's attorney, Erica Jane, Erica Girardi. I call her Erica Jane. I don't think she wants to be called, or I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think she wants to be associated with Girardi anymore at this point. Um, but anyway, her attorney informed the judge of their plans to file a motion to disqualify and immediately terminate Abir, Cohen, Trazon, and Slow, Salo, Salo, S-L-S-A-L-O, Salo, L-L-P. They are um, currently serving as special counsel to the trustee of the Tom Girardi estate for sanctions and for other relief. But they are, uh, this law firm is referred to as Axe. So Abir, A, Cohen, C, Trazen, T, and then Sallow, S, Axe. So that's what they're referred to as. Like Girardi Keys would be GK, their acts. So anyway, what does this mean? So according to court documents, in April of 2021, the Tom Girardi trustee filed an application to employ acts as special counsel. Why is this bad? So they claim that Section 327E requires that special counsel to a trustee not represent or hold any interest adverse to the debtor or the estate which basically means there's a conflict of interest and they knew of it and they were not owning it, as Lisa Rinna would say. So conflict of interest that they knew about, that they failed to disclose, and they don't want to own it, baby, own it. So what is the conflict of interest exactly? Well, that would be that one of the partners at Axe is a former partner of Girardi Keese, and that would be Mr. Robert Finnerty. So how do you go from being part of Girardi Keys, who was embezzling client funds, and then go off and represent Tom Girardi's personal bankruptcy where you're helping to collect on unpaid debts? And also, as a representing party, profiting off of your work in this case. Doesn't sound too good to me. Fishy, fishy. So the court docs further claim 
Three attorneys from Girardi's mass tort team had moved to Axe prior to execution of the Axe and Girardi Keese Agreement in November 2020, shortly before the involuntary petitions were filed on December 18, 2020. And another three attorneys and approximately six staff also moved from Girardi to Axe thereafter. Oop! Sounds like some shady men are still doing some shady things. Allegedly. See, I know when to use that word. Allegedly. So basically, a bunch of people that were at Girardi Keys have now moved over to Axe, and Axe is now currently representing Tom Girardi's personal bankruptcy. And so they're the ones that are trying to collect on all the unpaid debts. And they either are going to be getting a commission off of those debts, they could likely be getting attorney's fees. However, Axe is in some way profiting off of this bankruptcy. Yet, Multiple people that work for Axe formerly worked for Girardi Keys, which sounds a little fishy. So what does this have to do with the victims now? And how is Erica helping the victims? So according to the court documents, in approximately September 2022, Axe was publicly terminated by its clients, the Rui Gomez creditors. We know them as the victims. He was the burn victim. Um, legally, they're the creditors, not the victims. Legally. What followed, though, what followed through various filings by the Rui Gomez creditor's new attorney was a series of shocking revelations regarding breaches of fiduciary duty, intentional torts, and outright theft and misappropriation of millions of dollars in settlement funds due to the Rui Gomez creditors, which occurred when Mr. Finnerty was the partner in charge at Girardi Keys of the Rui Gomez representation and after acts upon Mr. After acts upon Mr. Finnerty's recommendation, took over the representation of the Rui Gomez creditors, only for acts then to misappropriate, according to the Rui Gomez's, 1.25 million of client settlement funds that acts had done nothing to earn. So the Rui Gomez family is now suing Axe for those missing funds. So Erica's latest intent to file a motion is a huge leap of support in their lawsuit against Axe. So in their case against Axe and all of these people that they're now claiming stole an additional $1.25 million outside of the Girardi Keys money that they're owed, they're claiming Axe also owes them money. And they're like, hold up, this is shady that Axe is now representing Tom Girardi's personal bankruptcy with Jason Rund. So this shows Erica's willingness to help resolve any of the legal matters that are affecting creditors of Girardi Keys. We often refer to some of those creditors as the victims. Again, legally, they are referred to as the creditors. So this also shows that Jason Rund, who's overseen Tom's bankruptcy case, might not be so kosher himself. Because if they knew all of this, which is the accusation made in these documents, is that they were aware of this conflict of interest and failed to disclose that to the courts, that doesn't sound very kosher to me. So Joe Rui Gomez, as you guys know, he was the burn victim that we saw in the Hulu documentary, The Housewife and the Hustler, that Girardi Keys was failing to pay over their new lawsuit that was settled, um, I believe, right it was settled, I think, like in 2019, 2020, because they were supposed to get their payments in 2020, and that's when they weren't getting their payments, and that's when they started to sue Tom Girardi, and then that's when the House of Cards really began to fall, because that's when the Lion Air case really came under fire, and Jay Edelson was like, wait a minute, you're not paying your clients, you're not paying our clients, like, what the hell is going on, and that's where everything really just started to go up in flames. 
So I think that this show is a step in the right direction for Erica. You know, I know on Real Houses of Beverly Hills, people keep referencing her being like, I don't give an F about anybody else but me and the alleged victims and all that stuff. As you see in the court documents, they're not referred to as the victims. They're referred to as the creditors. So, you know, little distinctions, in some cases semantics, but I think this is at least a, it sounds like an act of good faith from the way I see it. Um, It sounds like, I mean, it seems like the accusations here are that Axe Infinity were misappropriating funds away from the creditors, a.k.a. how we see them as the victims, and then putting the tab onto Erica, saying that she's the one responsible for paying back all of these people that they were the ones that were allegedly stealing from. So now it appears that both the Rui Gomez family, through their new lawsuit, and Erica through this new filing, both seem to be focused on taking down the bad guys that were actually taking the money. So I'm not saying that they're working in cahoots, but I am saying they both seem to be working towards taking out the same adversary. But I feel like most people would just rather badger Erica rather than see the real people be held accountable and the real victims get whatever money they're entitled to. So it does sound a little fishy that Finnerty is attached to the trustee and he's helping to collect money from Tom's debtors, which he himself was working directly with Tom and Axe is currently being sued by the victims. So that sounds like a major conflict of interest to me. So... Curious what your thoughts are. Um, do you think that this really is a good, a, a step of good faith for Erica? I mean, obviously, Axe and Rund are two of the people that are trying to sue her. Um, or not two of the people, but they're both actively working together to get money from Erica to pay off Tom's debts. Erica's claimed that she doesn't have those funds, that the funds were spent, and that Tom was the one overseeing all of their finances. So... Again, it doesn't appear that the Rui Gomez family and Erica are having like private conversations and being like, hey, how are we going to take down these people? But it does seem that they're, again, working towards taking down the same adversary. And that adversary looks like, from the way I see this, appears to have been linked directly to all of the stuff that Girardi Keese was doing and all of their embezzlement and misappropriation of funds over the years, you know, at Girardi Keese. So, Robert Finnerty, you're in the hot seat. Axe, you're in the hot seat. I love when people that are actually accountable are held accountable and taken down, and that's where our attention should be. Okay? That said, now run and tell that, homeboy. Okay, Robin and Juan Dixon are married. And I'm pretty sure Karen was not there to throw rice at their wedding. So they have finally tied the knot. It was discussed at the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion. It'll be featured in the upcoming Real Housewives of Potomac finale for this season. But there are also some new cheating allegations against Juan that have come out this week. So this is interesting now that Robin... You know, we see Robin this season talking about wanting an infidelity clause and wanting a prenup because the timeline of when the season was filmed and when this alleged infidelity was happening seemed to be a little fishy, okay? So according to Giorgio Says, which is a user on TikTok, a woman in Potomac has come forward and is claiming that she dated Juan for over a year during the pandemic, She claims that the last time that she saw Juan was back in September 2021, and the last time that he reached out to her, she claims, was in January of 2022, so about a year ago. Exactly a year ago, actually. She also shared a Cambria Hotels invoice 
with Juan's name on it and I guess some charges that he made. She also claims that Robin knew about the affair and asked the woman not to make any of this information public. She says that the reason that she ditched Juan is because he liked to pass his girls off onto his friends. And she claims that like one of his friends was inappropriate and like flashed her and it just made her feel really uncomfortable. I don't know what it means, like pass him off onto his other friends. Like we were having a gangbang and he's like, all right, hop off me and hop off him. It's unclear like what that meant exactly, but I mean, just looking at the story overall, a few things here, right? One, why is this being revealed now? Like, what is the motive in talking about this now? Is it because the news broke of them getting married and now we want to like mention it all and get it out there because we're like, this is total, their relationship is total bogus. Also, why were you even dating a man that you knew was married and kept the affair going for over a year? Like, Mm, no, I mean, it was a little fishy, a little fishy. You knew what you were doing, um, which is probably part of the reason maybe she doesn't want to come forth. Maybe that's why she wants to stay anonymous is because maybe she's a little embarrassed or maybe she has no shame. Maybe like Mia, she's like, listen, yeah, I don't close my legs to open to married men. The second I see a married man, I just open them wide open. Like, here you go. You're married. Come and put your wedding ring inside me. Hey. So she says that she doesn't... Um, or not that she doesn't, but she doesn't, or I guess Giorgio is claiming, or not claiming, but he did, I didn't see any other text messages between this woman and Juan. All we see is one hand-waving emoji that allegedly came from Juan in January 2022. And so Giorgio shares a screenshot of this hand-waving emoji and what appears to be Juan's contact number. Um, but we don't see any other text messages. And I find that kind of fishy as well like why not share the real incriminating text messages that the two of you exchanged like what is what is the wavy hand emoji like there's no context by there's no context and connection to it so I want to see the actual text messages I want to know that he was like hey I want to gobble you swallow you dripped on the side of you quick jump out for I let it get inside of you you know what I mean also what is the invoice proof other than the fact that he like spent some money at a hotel in Roxville now that's a little fishy because usually you're not renting hotel rooms in your hometown or like locally unless you're like doing something in those hotel rooms like listen i'm not renting any hotel rooms around downtown first of all i got my own place so if i want to bang i'm gonna bring you over and we can bang but other than that it doesn't seem like there's a reason to be renting hotel rooms anywhere um or at least locally unless you're doing like a staycation if it's a staycation with your family again just a little fishy on Juan's part and then fishy on the girl's part is i'm like if because we see the invoice and then the phone number or his contact information, his personal information is blocked out because we don't want to dox him, right? So that's blocked out when posting on on TikTok. But then if you have the, the copy or the photo of the invoice, then it should show Juan's phone number. And if that's Juan's phone number, like for me as a journalist, I would be like, okay, well, here's Juan's phone number. Can you send me a screenshot of his actual contact number? I won't release it. And you can trust me to not release it because if I release it legally, I would be in trouble for doxing him. But at least to verify that the phone number in the text thread matches the phone number on the invoice. Because that, to me, would need to match up in order to prove that, one, that text message is from Juan, and two, that that text message, or sorry, that that phone number on the invoice truly belongs to Juan Dixon. So I'm not saying that this woman is lying. If anything, the fact that she wants to remain anonymous could be, you know, 
cause to believe that she's actually telling the truth because she's embarrassed that she was like sleeping with a married man and she doesn't really want to get involved, but also curious what the motive is. But I'm just like, girl, if you have receipts, then I want to see them. Like, show me the money, honey. Tell me what this invoice means. What did you guys do there? Where, how often were you meeting there? Was this your spot? Meet me at our spot. Show me the text messages of the two of you. I want to see the naughty, naughty things that he was saying, right? Show me that this was a full on affair because otherwise I can pull any single emoji that somebody has texted me and take a screenshot of it and post it online and say, this means this without the full context of it. Um, I will say though, you know, usually when I send a little a hand wavy emoji, it's like, hey, how you been? Haven't seen you in a minute. Want to come over? So it is a it is an incriminating text message. Same way the little devil emoji. You know, when you send a little, the little naughty devil. Okay, that's usually naughty naughty or eggplant. It's not because you're making eggplant soup. You know what I mean? You're not making ratatouille unless the ratatouille is between my leggies. So remember the whole Somner thing with Adam Levine and the flirty DMs? And she's like, oh, my God, I was having an affair. And the whole thing ended up being total bogus. And so if I, and it really just ended up being like flirty DMs that he was sending girls. Still not great, but still not to the extent that this Somner chick was trying to make it out to be. So if you're coming forward and you're staying anonymous, then baby, you are free to mention it all. Also, if you told Robin, then like, I want to see you telling, like, how did you tell her? Was it a DM? Show me the DM you sent her. Show me where underneath the message that you sent, it shows scene that she actually saw. Did she double tap it? Did she respond to it? If she responded to it, show us what her response was that proves that she was aware of this affair. Can't make the accusation if you can't have anything to back it up. So, girl, I know you've got all this. If you're telling the truth, I know you've got all the things that I'm requesting. So, honey, let's dish it. Otherwise, I don't know how legit, how legit this might be. Is it too legit to quit? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So there's that. Also, funny bit of news was uh, that I saw making headlines over the weekend was Tori Spelling, I guess, subscribing to Denise Richards' OnlyFans. She was on Jeff Lewis Live, and she was saying that, like, she's known Denise, and she's really curious about, like, what the OnlyFans entailed. So she decided to go on OnlyFans and subscribe, and then she was, like, it was under a Finsta account. Not a, what's a fake OnlyFans? A OnlyFans account? I don't know. Yeah, OnlyFans. I'm a faux, oh, phony fans. She had a phony fans account. So, and she was DMing with Denise from this phony fans account and she was sending tips so that she could get more pictures and, you know, she was getting all up in Denise's coochie. More than branding. She was actually putting money on it. So I just thought that, that was a funny story that I saw circulating over the weekend that Tori Spelling secretly subscribed to Denise Richards' OnlyFans and like that made like major headline news. Hello, funny, funny, funny. Um, also, guys, we have wrapped Prince Harry's book, Spare. Spare. We wrapped part three this week. So if you want to catch, I know I've released part one and two on the podcast. If you want to catch part three, it's available now on the YouTube. Let me know if you want me to release it on the podcast. And maybe maybe I will. I don't know. I feel like we have we're, our schedule is so full in the next coming weeks that it would have been today. 
that would have been the day to get to get it released. But if you like more of these book reviews and you want them to come out on the podcast more, let me know. Next week, we're going to be starting off with the Pamela Anderson stuff. There's a new documentary that's coming to Netflix about Pamela Anderson and the sex tape. And then she has her new memoir that's coming out next Tuesday as well. So next Tuesday, we will be recapping the Netflix documentary and the first few chapters of Pamela Anderson's book. So stay on the lookout for that. We'll be breaking that down on the YouTube every Tuesday. So yeah. Thank you guys for all the love and support that you've given me and all the the support that you continue to give me. I love you. I appreciate you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, then please go and leave me a nice five-star review because I love that validation. We're like so close to breaking a thousand reviews, which I love and I would be excited if we're able to break a thousand reviews. But let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what topics you're really loving. Let me know what topics maybe you're not loving the most. But or actually just tell me what you're loving the most. Like what are your top two topics that we've covered on the podcast that you want to continue covering? Do you want more royal coverage? I feel like Prince Harry and Meghan might be kind of done and over. But you can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I've posted some fun pictures and videos from our trip to Mexico. I'm going to be doing a members-only YouTube special episode for Zach Pack members on YouTube that dives into all of my Mexico trip and meeting Lisa Rinna. So stay tuned for that. New recap of Real Housewives Miami is up on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. So go check that out on Spotify. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach for all the latest tea. And until next time, ciao for now. Love you. Mean it. Bye.